0: Let's recap the B&B principle. The first B stands for birthday and the second for bleach. The principle of birthday states that wherever you go on planet Earth, you will never in your life bump into somebody who does not have a birthday. What birthdays do is inform people that before this day they did not exist. Having not existed, you couldn't have possibly created yourself. Having not created yourself, you couldn't have possibly know on your own what to do with a life you never created. Therefore, B... The second B stands for bleach and is representative of the principle that whatever existed before you arrived on planet Earth will not change its reality just to accommodate your needs, dreams, fantasies, wishes, thoughts and hopes, like bleach. By the time you arrived on planet Earth, bleach was not a friendly drink. Therefore, even if you beg, plead, cajole, threaten, bribe, explain logically to the bleach that it's anyway wet in a bottle and you're on the point of dehydration, it will not become a friendly drink for you, for the simple reason that it is not motivated to accommodate your needs, dreams, fantasies, wishes and hope, since it does not need you as evidenced by the fact that by the time you arrived on planet Earth it was here before you. It is therefore independent of you. It therefore will not accommodate you. If you want to remain safe from bleach, you are dependent on the people who were here before your birthday, who are in the know, who will share with you the rules of bleach, so that you can accommodate those laws. So that all of life is a massive attempt to discover the rules of life from those in the know who were here before us so that we can accommodate those rules so that we remain safe and happy. Okay, today's class talks about the principle of human responsibility and why, how we see it from a and b perspective, why, the, how, why and how the world of nature was created, how it's absolutely impossible for science to violate any truths of the world for the simple reason that the scientists are people who have birthdays and death days and they create their theories and their hypotheses from observing reality and trying to diagnose the cause of that reality. And all scientists are based on the same principle. And the principle is how do I effectively, um, I analyze, diagnose the cause of this phenomena so that I can manipulate its results. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about geometry or mathematics or criminology or agriculture, every single science is based on the same um, motivation of how do I analyze the cause and in order to manipulate the results. And therefore, since they are dependent on many, many, many factors in order to come to an absolute truth about the cause of reality, and they are limited beings with limited resources, with limited brains, with limited um, exposure to be able to observe, enough possible contributing factors to their theories. Their theories will always be limited since they are human. The theories are as limited as they are. Therefore, if they come up with a theory that violates Hashem's account of creation, there are no live witnesses on how the creation happened. Only the creator is the only live witness. So only he can know as an absolute truth how he created the world and only he will share with much as much with us as much as he feels it's important for us to know so that a scientist contradicting a theory from the creator itself is speculative science which is the reason why tomorrow they'll change their mind which is the reason why there are always conflicting theories because their theories are as limited as they are whereas hashem's account of creation is the only eyewitness account. So you can't have a scientific theory that contradicts a Torah description of reality. That's an impossibility. Yeah, go ahead. Obviously, part of their um, argument is, is there a creator? To negate the
1: creator? Right, so if they want to...
0: Right, if they want to be... That's right. So, what do we do with atheists? Then the atheist still has to come up with a decent alternative on how he got on planet Earth because he cannot deny the fact that he does have a birthday. Well, he and then he, he probably has. No, does he, he doesn't. He, doesn't. he still doesn't have a cause of origin. He still has no. to. No, he doesn't have. I once dialogued with a, with a guy um, and he says to me, I said to him, he says to me, I'm an atheist. I said to him, Oh, fantastic. Great. Love to meet you. Tell me, you have a birthday? He says, yeah. So I said, um, so what you're telling me, before this day didn't exist? He says, no. So I say, so how'd you get here? So he said, I created myself. I says, fantastic. You did a great job. So glad you did. Tell me, how old are you? He says, 23. I says, can I ask you a a question? You know, What made you create yourself 23 years ago? Why not 2 years ago, 11 years ago? And of course, I can't ask you what was going on in your life 23 years ago that made you do it there because it didn't exist. You didn't have a life. There was nothing going on, so you couldn't have done it then. I also can't ask you what was going on in world history 23 years ago that made you enter the scene 23 years ago because if it didn't exist, how would you be aware of what was going on in world history 23 years ago? What made you do that 23 years ago? So I said, nah, I'm joking. I-, I just made a joke. So I said, okay, but then tell me what's your true answer, how you got here, in light of the fact that you do have a birthday. So his mother was sitting there, so he points to his mum. He says, Mom, I says, I said, fantastic. I turned to her and I said you did a great job. I'm so glad you did. So let me ask you, but does mom have a birthday? He says, Yeah, I buy my mom gorgeous birthday presents. He goes, starts going through the last 10 years of gorgeous gifts he bought her. Oh, I love my mum. I said, fantastic. So if mama has a birthday, then before this day she didn't exist. So pray tell me, how did she get birth to you if she didn't exist? So he's, he jabs his mum and he says, I guess grandma. I said, but the grandmother also must have had a birthday. So he jabs his mum and he goes, she's good. I said, no, she's good. Read my book. He goes, uh, i can't read yeah he said i can't read i'm dyslexic i said i can't believe my bad luck you already had the good luck to create yourself why would you create yourself dyslexic <laughs> uh, i said that is so dysfunctional let me ask you when you create your kids you're also going to create dyslexic that's so cruel that's such a hard life i turn around to my friend and i say i can't get over your cruelty why did you create the dyslexic boys that is so mean so the point is that I don't care what if he calls himself an atheist or agnostic. If I'm a normal, intelligent being who dialogues with people who have a certain amount of sanity, who puts food in their mouth and shoes on their feet, and not shoes in their mouth and food on their feet, <laughs> and if I'm asking you a question, if you have a birthday and you weren't here before here, can you give me a decent alternative of how you got here, apart from the, if you don't want to use the Creator? What is your source of origin? And all of science is going along the same line, tracing the source of origin to manipulate its effect. So how would that be different? I mean, I had once a girl, a 10th grader, and she said, I know the Torah is true, but right now I don't care about truth. Right now I just want to have a good time. So I said, okay, so how many years do you need an exemption to suspend truth from your life? We have to go get you an exemption. So she says, probably about six years. I said, so for the next six years, you'd like to be in a situation where no matter what, you're absolutely refusing to accommodate truth. She goes, yeah. I say, all truth? I say, she says, yeah. I said, okay, so what would you like to do with your life for the next six years? She said, I want to go to Hawaii with my boyfriend. I said, okay, how are you getting to Hawaii? I guess by plane. She says, yeah. I said, so where are you going to go from? She said, I guess JFK. I said, well, oh, you know, you're quite a hypocrite. You accommodate the flight schedules. That's the truth. It was the time of the Ebola disease. I said, how about if you find out that in that place there's Ebola disease, would you go there? He says, no. I said, well, you're accommodating the truth. I said, how about if uh, it was the time of Obama, Black Lives, Black Lives Matter? How about if people are kniving themselves, in kniving white uh, supremacist uh, Jewish-looking people on the street? Would you go to that place? She says, no. I said, so you accommodate the truth. Why accommodate? I thought you need an exemption from the truth. You need to suspend the truth from life. How about if you arrive in the hotel and it's full of cockroaches? You staying there? No. So I said, so you are accommodating the truth.
1: You just don't want truth that obligates
0: you. Exa- well, and you are obligated. Your birthday has forced you to be obligated to accommodate the rules of life that were here before you. And that's truth. So no human being, by dint of his birthday, is ever at liberty, ever in a situation that they can ever afford to suspend the truth. Because in, I don't, yeah. know. I I okay. don't know. Because when I, I dial, That's a very crucial point. Because I teach
1: students this. they don't want to hear. It, it's no, but eventually, so, eventually it goes. So down. actually, right this, this minute. Eventually? No, eventually it could be six years later. Right. So what are
0: they going to? What damage? So again, it's not not my responsibility. I can't control. I cannot control people's free will because when Hashem himself does not interfere with people's free will, so it would be totally wishful thinking for me to the world of fantasy and illusion delusions, to imagine that because I'm conducting a sane, intelligent dialogue with a fellow human being, I will have any influence on his free will. My responsibility is to present a rational basis of why we are religious, and why it conforms to natural, common sense truths. And the reason I'm religious is because I think it's true, and the reason I like truth is because I think it's the only safe way to live. I don't know of another way to live. Since I never existed, I never created the rules of reality. Since I never created the rules of reality, I will have to accommodate them like every other fellow human being.
1: Okay, so... What, what happens with the evolutionists and the Big Bang theory? It
0: do, personally, doesn't concern me because, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, well, when you ask those questions, i will say, What's the problem? I mean, I came from a monkey and the monkey can't I mean,
1: Well, but you still had
0: to come to a source of origin. Right, so that source of origin was whatever it was that was created by the Big Bang. Oh, that that, that and, and nothing, no theory that is conflicts. Exactly they can't really I think conflict no. Well, he always was. Well, always what? was. Again, again, it does not violate the B and B principle. Not. As far as I'm concerned, How would you that? as far as I'm concerned, the only eyewitness on the report of creation is the Creator himself. Any theory that violates that it does not interest me. I only take circumstantial evidence from an eyewitness was an eyewitness. He was the eyewitness. So. No, there are no eyewitnesses. There's a scientific, scientific hypothesis with no eyewitness. And it doesn't have enough evidence as much as the creator himself. I only accept the creator's description of how he created this world because he was there first. Whoever came up with this theory has a birthday. And scientists, since they never existed, cannot know on their own how reality was created. So according to their speculator theories, it's not, for me, as powerful and as strong as the source of evidence, which is the creator himself who created that reality. So then you give them the evidence of all the... There isn't. I, whatever yes. Hashem reported, whatever Hashem reported, Hashem reported, that he created the world in the beginning, I accept his report because he's the creator. I don't accept any reports from anybody who has a birthday and a death day, and um, because it's a limited theory, it must be limited. Because he ne- lets well, be some
1: karma in what they
0: say. Well, if his, if, if, hands if, hands my, if my, if my authority, which is Hashem himself, through the mouth of his sages, think that that scientific theory is true, then I accept it. If they don't think so, I don't accept it. You can do what you want with your life. I like theories that are kids today are not into theories either. They're into like you said before. They just want to have a good time. It's not my I, my, in my classes my classes don't my classes don't, don't I'm not a therapist. I'm not a therapist, I'm not a psychotherapist, I'm not don't I analyze, I don't diagnose. I I have one job to present a rational basis for why I'm religious. I'm religious because I think it's true. And I like truth and I prefer truth and I choose truth because I think it's the only safe way of living. And if you prefer to live another way, it will be another confirmation of the truth that when Hashem promises free will, he delivers. Otherwise, it's a total impossibility. How did Hashem create a human being that conforms to logic, realises his dependence upon logic, because otherwise he doesn't have a safe way of living, because he is depending upon science to negotiate his life for him, to provide for him food and shelter and safety, uses the theory of cause and effect to, in order to survive, and then chooses to suspend this very logic when it comes to... uh, a religious theory. So to me that's inconsistent. So I don't bother with inconsistencies. Because I believe there's only one Hashem. And as a result of his monotheism. There's only one theory to. If, if I accommodate truth in every other, other area of life. Because I think it's the only safe way of living. And I'm dependent on the people. And the know who were here before me. To tell me what that truth is. If I accommodate the rules. Then I will accommodate the same rules. When it comes to what I should be doing in my life, the purpose of my life, the purpose of the laws, the purpose of creation, the purpose of science, the purpose of the rules, so that I should have a purpose to my living, I will accommodate the people in the know who have gotten it maybe from the creator. Maybe the girls
1: today are looking <coughs> at, unfortunately, looking <coughs> at Ryan, who don't think about
0: their purpose. They always were. They always were, happy, Carson. Therefore,
1: apicursen. even though they're really living their life based on reality of... Hulu, you know, the laws it's not life. a
0: matter of today and you know, it wasn't today. Really the really Rambam is. has a big, thick... There was always idolatrous practices. There were always a That's how Rambam came to explain which 13 fundamentals you would have to believe in in order to be considered orthodox and get yourself a portion in the afterlife. There were always were people. The reason is because part of purpose of life is there must be free will. As a matter of fact, when I see people understanding my logic, and then going along and violating this very logic, that's to me another confirmation of free will. Right, I think
1: that is a, a, an amazing confirmation
0: of free will. And that, that is another that, that confirmation of the authenticity the of the tyrant. I'm saying that at the end of the
1: day, when you teach kids like this, is there no way to reach them? You just have
0: to let them proceed? Or you have to, to, to let, let them reach themselves, uh, barrel down the cliff? It's, a, it's not, I don't go that pathway. I'm here to present a rational basis. <laughs> And as long as the conversation is staying logical, I will continue the conversation. That's because my preference, that's my preference. I, I, I'm a subscriber to truth. You, don't, you prefer, have different preferences. It's okay with me, but the conversation is over.
1: I, I, no, I present that, truth. That, that's a very good, it's a it's very good argument sense. to show them that they're depending on the realities of law, of nature, and of life. In their everything so back. if, and you, choose, religion, they're not yeah, if you
0: choose, yeah, if you then you're being just being but hypocritical. Really but I don't time. want to go there. I don't want to go there because this class okay. isn't about analyzing this generation, and that's a whole different topic. I want to present today the um, principle of human responsibility from a B and B perspective, and I have eleven important points to show the consistency of it. The point of the class is to show the oneness of Hashem, the consistency of the BB principle in our lives and its justification for all the rules. So the first one is the Torah tells us, Mm -hmm. that Hashem will bless everything that we do. It means that he has obligated us to take responsibility for our life and to do things in order to earn money and to earn our upkeep. And there's a blessing in that because he wants us to do it. The Pasuk tells us finished everything he did. So the question is if he created the world perfect, then what does it mean that he created the world to do? If it's already perfect, there's nothing to do. The answer is so that we should do. We are here, we are partners with Hashem in creation. And um, the past second says, Odom lo amol yulad. A person was created to work hard. The Gemara tells a story of uh, an atheist. There were atheists in those days also, or, or agnostic, or apicurist, or heretic. He came to ask one of the Tanoim, what would you say? Whose work is superior, limited man or God? So he says, man. So he says, how so? So he said, well, you see, God creates wheat, but man has no use for it unless he grinds it and turns it into bread. So he said, now I see the wisdom of the sages, because I was going to um, challenge why you do bris circumcision. If a person was created perfect, why are you cutting away one part? So he, with this, he saw that there was no, no argument, because yes person was created perfect but created so that he should actualize the uh, perfection of the of the creation fulfillment by uh, doing uh, his part and another thing is that we know the pastor tells us that the whole world is um, an opportunity to buy the world is Hashem's kin and Hashem has acquired the world But he gave us an opportunity to acquire our upkeep, both in this world and in the hereafter. He gave us the opportunity by buying this world. How do you buy this world? By putting in enormous effort to earn, you know, create an income, earn an income, earn an honest living. We see that Hashem has invested holiness into ownership. We see the Gemara tells us a story that... um, There were two people walking in the desert, and there's uh, only enough water to sustain one of them until they arrive to civilization. So the question is, who should drink the water? So the Gemara presents four options. The person who owns the water should drink it, because um, it's his. The person who owns the water should give it away to his friend, and he will have to die you know, with a very altruistic act of self-sacrifice and his friend drinks the water. Um, they should divide it in half and they both die because it isn't enough to sustain. They should say, oh, we can't make a decision, spill out the water and both die. These are the four options. So the Gomorrah paskins conclusively that the person who owns the water should drink it Um should drink it. Why? Because it's a Pasuk, your brother shall live alongside you. Meaning that you would first have to put an effort to exist so that you should be able to fulfill the mitzvah. The, 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 the word is, the phrase is, when your life comes first. What we see from here is, the Pasuk says, the justification for the Pesach is the Pasuk, your brother shall live alongside you. You can only be in a position of fulfilling the opportunity of financially supporting your brother, which means if he opens a business, you have an obligation to support, patronize his business rather than somebody else, because he is your brother. You can only have opportunity to do that if you exist. If I don't exist, then I don't have an opportunity to support him. Which means, which it pre puts it on a predicate that I first have to put an effort to exist so that I'll, then I'll be in a position to be able to support my brother. So therefore, if the bottle of, right, I have to support myself first, my life comes first. So therefore, if I own the water, then I have to serve it to myself. The point is, life and death is not in my hands. Fact of life is, I could drink the water and die a minute later, if Hashem so chooses. And I cannot drink the water, and if Hashem chooses to sustain me miraculously, then I will survive until I reach civilization and get more water. And my friend could drink the water and die a minute later if his life is over, Hashem so decide. And my, drink, my friend could not drink the water and survive until he reached civilization. Life and death is not in my hands. I don't, since I have a birthday, it means I do not know how to create life. Since I don't know how to create life, says my birthday, I also don't know how to sustain life. Since I don't know how to create it, I don't know how to sustain it, which is why we die eventually. We die because we don't know how to sustain it on our own. The same being who doesn't know how to create himself doesn't have the stuff in his power called life in order to sustain himself. Life and death is not in my hand. Therefore, in order for me to reach a conclusion of who should be drinking that water until I reach civilization, I will need the creator of that life to tell me what his will in this situation... His will in this situation is the only thing I can do with another minute of life is ask the creator what he would like me to do with this minute of life. He tells me, with this minute of life, with the water that you own, you own it because you earned it yourself, therefore the ownership belongs to you, you are to take that water and drink it until you reach civilization, and you can't right now worry about your friend's life in this situation. Meaning Hashem has deliberately invested and saturated holiness with ownership he has equated simultaneously holiness to ownership since i earned this water and it belongs to me there is a concept of something belonging to me if money ownership doesn't belong to me, if there isn't a legal Torah by the creator acquisition way of how I can own something, then I'm also never in a position of being able to give something. I can never give anything to anyone if I don't first own it. And the only way I can own it is if I can earn it. And the only way I can earn it is if Hashem puts me in a world where the world of nature gives me an opportunity to analyze cause and effect So that I can create an income versus an outcome, so I can negotiate the world of science, so that I can earn my upkeep, so I can sustain myself. And therefore, there must be a world of nature to accommodate Hashem's desire that we should take a certain amount of responsibility responsibility for our life and our sustenance. And in order for us to be able to, and then we are in a position to give. We give to ourselves first, we give to our spouses, we give to our kids, we give to the good world, we give contribute. You cannot um, fulfill mitzvahs unless you have money and, and uh, ownership upon that money in order to buy what you need in order to keep the mitzvahs. So that every f- piece of food that comes into your mouth, it's being earned by your own upkeep, which is again, the world of nature means the world of being able to, for human beings, that's why we say chokma Tamin. Do scientists have a certain chokma? They must have a certain Chochmah. Hashem deliberately gave them, gave every human being an opportunity to figure out cause and effect. Little baby, the second they start find the toothbrush on the floor, and they put it in their mouth, we are sure this is the next Einstein. He is brilliant. He figured out the cause and the effect. When the day comes when they stop putting shoes in their mouth and food on their feet, then we know they figured out a certain cause and effect in life that shoes belong on the feet and and food in the mouth. And and, and so every single human has been pre-programmed, hardwired to Spend his life trying to analyze cause and effect. You are trying to analyze and diagnose why this generation, not everybody, is going to resonate and accommodate the truth after we tell it to them. Because you are trying to look for the cause of that so that you can manipulate the effect so that you can get more people turned onto the program of truth. So that's also another manifestation of today's principle, that we are spending our life trying to analyze, diagnose, come to a truth so that we can manipulate its effect. It's the same principle in action. So we see that it would be an absolute impossibility for the world of nature that was created and designed in order to accommodate Hashem's Desire that we should take responsibility for our life through the world of nature, it would be impossible for the world of nature to violate the Creator's rule, which is that He wants to reveal Himself to us through nature. So, if people are using that very nature and using that as a basis for their heresy or their atheistic or agnostic ideas and theories. Personally, I can't buy it. If you like it, go for it. I don't like it. It doesn't subscribe to the basic consistency of the rules of nature the way I understand it. So, um, another reason why Hashem created the rules of nature is because nature is the only way that provides that contrast for the world of miracles. unless things are regular, you will have no way of identifying the world of irregular. Unless things are natural, you have no way of identifying and noticing the world of unnatural, supernatural. Unless things are logical, you don't have a way of calling the shots when something is illogical and violates logic. Unless things are common sense through the world of nature, you don't have a way of saying this is just sheer utter nonsense. And and so we need the world of nature to
1: no, uh, all nice.
0: Yes. Well, nace, whatever you I don't know what your definition of the world is It's all revelations of Hashem. It's all Hashem making himself known to mankind and all Hashem's way of begging and inviting mankind. To notice him, communicate with him, and try to figure out their purpose in their life, so that we're in a um, in a relationship, which is the reason that he created us. So that there isn't a human being that is capable of saying, "I created my own birthday," and therefore I know what was going on beforehand. And since every human being is busy accommodating the laws of life that were here before him, why would that be different? in the creator telling you what you should do with the life that you never created. It's all the same. the same cause. There's only one God then it's the same cause. And only that cause of nature is eligible to tell you what to do with your life that you never created. Because since you never existed, how would you know? So a girl challenged me a great question. A girl said to me, you say that whatever exists before me, won't change its reality in order to accommodate me because it's independent of me as proven by the fact that it was here before me. I said, yes. She said, you insist. I said, I insist. She says, in every case. I said, in every case. A principle means it's always true. It's not a theory. It's not a hypothesis. It's not somebody's imagination. It's always true. If not, it's not a principle. It's a law, an absolute law of life. So she says, well, I can challenge that. I said, go ahead. She says, my parents were created before me, obviously, that my parents and I win every argument with them. Therefore. Therefore. So your principle doesn't hold true because they were here before me and they accommodate me. I came after them. I said that's true. Yeah, it's a good it's a good challenge, it's a logical challenge. Yeah, same same theory. Same so that would follow the same logic. So accommodating, yeah. her parents, she says her she asks her, she asks her parents. That's not true. So she said... she asks her parents for stuff. They don't want to give it to her. She argues with them, and they give it to her. So they accommodate her. Fact of they accommodate her. I said to her, the principle still holds true, and I can prove it to you. When you are arguing with your parents, you are not arguing with your physical parents. You are arguing with their deep desire to parent you in a way that makes you happy. Their parental instinct, their, their um, uh, desire to nurture you and give you everything that you need and dream of preceded their parenthood, and this was their motivating factor to actually go along and give birth to you and have children. And you know how I can prove it to you? Because you're in 12th grade right now. Do you feel a burning desire to be able to accommodate your kids and to give them everything they need to make them as happy and as successful as, as possible? Yes, you do. You haven't even seen your kids yet. You're in 12th grade. And you already uh, are ignited and burning with a passionate desire to be able to have a dream relationship with your kids. So that desire preceded parenthood and is the cause of parenthood. So when you argue with your parents, you are arguing with something that preceded them. And it's something that they are not in control of. Because that's a law of life that Hashem put in human beings that the desire to parent and the desire to nurture their kids and the desire to give to their kids and the desire to accommodate their kids. And the same thing is happening with you right now in 12th grade. You're already dreaming of what you can do for your kids. So, again, let's go to the world of nature. The world of the miraculous also forces us to take notice of unusual phenomena in our life, which is one of the ways how Hashem communicates with us. When Hashem does for us miraculous things, like we are now in a position that we are forced to be in a closer relationship with Him, express our gratitude, and the only way that we could have noticed that is, if something was different than the norm, abnormal. And in order for that to happen, you need the world of normalcy which is the world of nature so again my argument is the world of nature was created in order to give you what you need in order to fulfill the will of creator of giving you life and a point of fact that would be on a national level that the survival of the jewish nation is totally violates every single piece of logic the frequency intensity and duration of how much hatred and anti-Semitism, we have been victim to, forces us to ask the question, why does Hashem want us around? Obviously, the creator of the world, who is manipulating history and human actions, is desperate for our survival, which forces us to ask the question, why, what's in it, what's in it for Him that we must survive. And the answer is, he created us so that we, he should, we should fulfill his commandments, and so that the nation that accepted upon themselves to accommodate his will and his desire to fulfill his commandments, we accepted this upon ourselves, that the mitzvahs are forever. L'doy bris o'lam Everything is forever. We accept it upon ourselves to fulfill the commandments forever, so that nation that accepted upon themselves to fulfill the commandments forever will have to survive forever. So, therefore, that's the true, deepest reason for Jewish survival. Hashem is looking out for our survival, no matter what. And the way we have been treated, we have been treated by the rest of the world is very, very obvious that the rest of the world is bent on destroying us and despite all that we are still surviving, which is the greatest proof, the unnaturalness of our survival forces us to conclude that we are here for the purpose of creation. And since Hashem is forever. And because there's only one of him. No one can get rid of him. No one can overpower him. And his Torah is forever. And his commandments are forever. So that the nation that accepted upon themselves. To keep his commandments forever. Will have to survive forever. But that foreverness. In a world that violates the laws of the laws of what's normal in survival of nations forces us to conclude that uh, the eternity of Am Yisroel is that the creator of the world is looking out for us. Which forces us to conclude that the only reason can be so that, number one, we fulfill his commandments that we accept upon us forever. Number two, that the Torah is true because the Torah promised that we will survive forever. And we see that that's happening. The Gamba Erez of Lo Yime Ashtim forever. Hashem says no matter what, even in the land of your enemies and you're persecuted and you're gunned down, In the, but the fact is I will never leave you. You are mine forever. I accept upon myself to be your God and you accept upon yourself to be my nation, my treasured, private, unique, personal nation. And therefore... Just like I live forever, you will live forever, and I'll survive forever. Just like the mitzvahs are forever, because I gave them to you, keep them forever, the nation that has to keep them will survive forever. So again, this realization has only been made, uh, revealed to us and actualized to us through the world of nature, because our survival violates nature. So you need the world of nature so that you can notice that. Another point is the doesn't matter another point is that um, Four, the, the says a fascinating thing that you need to have a world of nature in order to see because only at that time when you're seeing Hashem's personal supervision of you when it, it's, it's going to be a violation of nature so you need that Sometimes it says a fascinating thing that Friday night when we say Kiddush, so Kiddush means I testified that Hashem created the world. But the concept of a testimony is an eyewitness account. In Jewish halacha, Jewish law, testimony means I was there. Well, you weren't there by creation, nobody was there by creation. First of all, you weren't there. And today you weren't there. Secondly, man was really created on Friday. So how can you testify? You can't have uh, testimony violating Jewish law because from the same Hashem, the same God, it's impossible. So he said, it's true that you weren't there. So you want a live testimony in the halachic sense. But at Mitzrayim, when we went out of Mitzrayim, you saw how Hashem suspended nature and violated nature. The only way he could do that is... If he is the boss and the owner of nature. The only way he could do that is if he's the creator. No one else gets to do that. So at your T.S. Rhyme, you saw how Hashem owns nature. Because he changed it on your behalf. It's, but you still have the same question. Because right now when you're picking up your Kiddush cup Friday night. You don't remember T.S. rhyme in your life consciousness. And the concept of an says, I was there. He says, yeah, but nobody arrives Friday night to Kiddush without having experienced at least once in their life an issue of personal divine intervention, Hashkot protest in your life. Once you experienced it once, you are never ever again in a situation that you can ever deny this reality because how could Hashem have manipulated the events in your favor unless He knows how to change creation, how He cha- knows how to change nature on your behalf, unless He was there... The, he was there to know what you need right now, to change things on your behalf. The only way he could have been there is if he's all over. The only way he could be all over is if he doesn't own a body. The only o- way he doesn't own a body is if he there's only one of him and he's unlimited and he's therefore could have been there. And the only way he could have known what you need is if he knows what you're thinking, he knows your needs. are huh? So that the Indian of Pratis proves all our truths of monotheism. As a matter of fact, I saw for Ramatul Zilpa, he says that the reason that we need to be Mechabad Ashirim, wealthy people, it says in the Haramban that if somebody is wealthy, you should be Mechabad Him, is because businessmen see more Hashkacha protests in their day. If a boy, a Yingaman, is sitting in Koilil and he understands a Show, a Ritva, or whatever, a Rambam, then he thinks, okay, you got to. I worked hard and there's a, a scholar from Hashem that if you learn Torah Hashem Shemaim, then Hashem rewards you and you'll understand Torah. But in, and you, you're in the atmosphere of holiness and in the atmosphere of everybody's working with each other Torah, so you think that you, it makes sense. It's, you look at it, it's quite natural that I worked hard on my Gomorrah, I mentioned my Copper, I understand it. In business... You th- you can't say that. In business, you see a crazy hashkacha protest on every penny that you made. And therefore, he says, because businessmen are more in touch with hashkacha protest on their daily living, it's one reason to be mechabad yeah If they, okay, okay, if so they recognize that. So yeah. One no. is that <laughs> <Not> you say <laughs> hashkacha protest, but of
1: course people that aren't
0: believers call that coincidence.
1: Right. And then you talk about business people,
0: then for the, the, the I mean, right. good businessmen. So- we're back to we're back to square one and there is no getting around it. That all of creation was designed to reveal Hashem, but in order for you to earn your upkeep, you will have free will. If you don't have free will, then all you are is a pre programmed robot. A cabbage doll patch doll And you are just a hardwired computer disk that you are a puppet in Hashem's hand, which does not reveal His glory. Very, very uh, impressive that He knew how to create 7 billion puppets. Amazing. And these 7 billion puppets were pre-programmed to praise Him and see Him and love Him and talk to Him. Wow, you're amazing. And they don't know how to do anything else. Um, Amazing. That isn't a God for me. That isn't a God for me. That isn't a relationship. That isn't a truth. That isn't a reality. That's all just the world of sheer utter nonsense. Relationships don't work that way. Relationships work when you get an opportunity to choose who you want to be in a relationship with and out of your own free will, you made the decision that this is the unique person that you choose to spend your time and your life with and your precious resources. If you weren't given an opportunity to choose that, you are not in a relationship. So we're back to square one. Could people violate all this logic? Of course they can and they should so that they get the opportunity that when they don't, they will get a reward for it. No matter what you tell me, you will always tell me, No matter what I'll tell you, you'll always tell me there are people who violate this logic. Of course they do. That's why we get, truth seekers get reward for being willing to submit themselves and being humble in front of their creator and going along with his desire to reveal himself to us in humble recognition that since I didn't create myself, I also don't know how to manage or do anything with a life that I didn't create. it, And I'm dependent on you, creator, for everything. And I trust a billion percent that as I'm going through my day, you are there with me every single step of way. And since the world is your world, the world, the truth, will accommodate my needs to be successful and happy and see you through every molecule of life and every molecule that's science, the world of science that you create provides for me Mm. you can say anything you want again the fact that human beings can say anything they want is another manifestation of Hashem another manifestation of God another manifestation of free will he isn't so pathetic as create seven billion puppets and say, "What a successful world I created!" People have I programmed people to recognize me, and they do. Whoa, fantastic! Really, now. So, um, another reason. Another. That, but he wants us to he could. He could have done anything he wants, but the fact. ...that he is perfect forces his purposefulness. And his purposefulness forces the fact that he is perfect... ...and his purposefulness forces that if he created me, created me for a purpose... And if he created me for a purpose, then I must be able to actualize my purpose. And in order for me to actualize my purpose, I must be able to have free will to choose whether I want to actualize my purpose or waste my life or violate my purpose. And in order for me to have free will, I have to have the opportunity where I could ignore his messages. Mm-hmm. And if I don't have the opportunity to ignore his messages, I don't have a way of a of being in a relationship with him where I choose not to ignore it. So every single time you hear that, you have to, your brain has to go light belt. Of course, there is the possibility and the availability made available by the creator in order to violate this because I am not a robot and a puppet. And the fact that I notice that there is this possibility also proves that I am not robot and puppet. The fact that I am in a situation where I can argue with reality and achieve a certain amount of recognition with fellow arguers, just provides more testimony that every human being does have free will. I mean, if you would have interviewed Hashem at creation, and would have said, Come on, how on earth are you going to create a creature that will be forced to accommodate logic in order to survive by analyzing cause and effect and getting food into his hungry, growling stomach? So that he can earn his upkeep. And then at the same time, this same creature will be in a position that if he so chooses, will be able to violate that very logic by not listening to your commandment. How are you going to do this? He says, I'm God. I can do anything I want. I will show you. I am a free being. I know how to create. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And the fact that he did eat from it means that the free will was real. And Hashem is the source of truth. You can't have the source of truth saying, I will give you free will and then he doesn't give it to you. He will give it to you so that you can earn your upkeep and be purposeful. So all these Uh, every single time you're coming up with the same thing and saying, but people can say this, people can say that. Of course they can and they should and they will. So that those who choose not to say this or those who choose to be challenged with their free will and yet despite the challenge to choose truth above all will get reward for that. This is the exact means by which you earn your reward. So it doesn't violate the concept. It actually strengthens and manifests and shows... Unless you believe the creator, like you believe him on everything else, and if he promises reward, then he will deliver like he delivers anything else, and like he delivers the food into your stomach today. Unless you choose to believe him that he, if he's true, he's true all the way, you don't have a strategy for living. If you decide everything is not true, you don't have a way of knowing what to do with a life that you never created. Said your birthday. If you never existed, how would you know what to do with a life that you never created? So unless it's all true, it's all lies. If it's all lies, you tell me what you're going to do with a life that you never created. Because little baby in the crib has no idea what to do with life. And whose idea was it that you should be born as a little helpless, defenseless baby in the crib? It was your idea. Why did you create yourself defenseless? That's quite stupid. So, another way that we uh, need to look at life is, the (coughs) Messiasa Shoram says that the world was created to service man. So I want to give you a real live example of people who really understood purpose of life. They said there's no way that life can ever contradict Torah living. Torah living is always v'chay b'hem, and you should live by them. So that if Jewish law, Jewish halacha says that if you need to violate Shabbos in order to survive, since the Torah is Torah's chayim, the Torah is the laws of life, Torah is the source of life, it will never happen that because of Torah, in the name of Torah, In order to accommodate Torah, I will need to violate my life, apart from the three cardinal sins. The reason for that is, says the source of life, the creator of life, the creator says, that these three things would violate the purpose of your existence if you will do them, then they will violate the purpose of your existence, and if you are in such a situation, you now have the opportunity... To earn eternal life by giving up your physical life in order to earn eternal life, which is only these three cardinal things, which is idolatry and uh, immorality and murder. So I give you a case history, Yael. So the Apostle in says, Yodei sholcha bakesha tom chofola. that it refers to Zu Yael Shulayharga Klei Zayin. It's the Medrash Sheikha Tov says that she put forth her hand and she, her hands cupped, supported um, uh, a, uh, a, a, a something she took into her hand to kill Sisera. And what did she do? She knew this basic rule of life, that it must be that life is providing me with opportunity to do for my nation, for myself and for my nation and for the Creator what he needs out of life. So she knew she's very beautiful and she knew that we are constantly suffering from the polystrum. Sisera was the head of that. And when Sisera came back from war against the Jews, she stood outside his tent deliberately knowing that it would attract him. And she used her beauty, she used her nature, she used what Hashem gave her, what the Creator gave her, to save her people. And she went down as one of the greatest heroines in our history. And she, he, she invited him into her tent and she gave him milk and, and salty meat. And when he was significantly thirsty, she gave him more milk that made him drowsy and gave him some wine to drink. And he was significantly intoxicated, fell into a deep slumber and a stupor. She knew that she has to kill him in order to save the Jewish nation. But she said, but the Torah has made a law that a woman mustn't uh, hold a clay Zion or a gather of a man. So a sword is a manly thing. It's not a feminine thing. So what did she do? She said, it cannot be that life will violate what I am capable of doing now to save the Jewish nation. I've got him in my hand. She went and took a peg from the tent and found a, a hammer and bore it into his temple and, and killed him. And then presented, uh, you know, that saved the Jewish nation. But again, she used the law of saying it cannot be that Hashem created me a woman and put me in a situation where I can save the Jewish nation but the only way I can do that is through the means of violating a Torah law which is not using a clear of a man. Because she understood this concept. The same thing is, if you think about the story, the Moshe Rabbeinu really was saved from Miriam, who told her father Amram, it cannot be that Hashem gave us a mitzvah and commandment to have children in order that we should drown them. Because you cannot have a law of life violating life. Hashem gave us children that with our children should live and grow and we should have the mitzvah of bringing them to life and nurturing them. And Hashem didn't change his command by saying that because Paroi made this uh, um, decree that all the baby boys should be drowned, Hashem didn't change his mitzvah that we shouldn't have kids because it's a mitzvah in the Torah that's forever that we have to have kids. So she went along and told her father, listen here, that doesn't make sense. Look, Paroi is a Russia. He's wicked. So his decree w- doesn't have in it the durability to last forever because he's a limited human being who came in with a birthday and sooner or later will have a death day. Hashem made a law and Hashem is forever. Hashem doesn't have a birthday. And therefore he's eternal. And he made the law that we should have children. So it cannot be that his law should be weaker than Parod's law. His law became... Before Paro's birthday. So, his law that we should have children has to be forever. So, because Amran had separated from his wife, saying, What's the use of having children if they're going to be drowned in the Nile? And his father bought her, she was three years old, and her father bought into her, in, you know, inescapable, in, there was no way to violate her logic, and went and remarried his wife, and all of Clarissa followed suit. And they went and remarried their wives and had more children. The end of the day is that Moshe Yisrael Moshe Rabbeinu was born and nurtured and survived from a three-year old knowing this basic principle that you can't have a law of life, which is Torah, is a description of the laws of life, violating and be uh, eradicated from a local wicked paroi, who uh, is a limited human being with a birthday and a death day, and he, unders- he he bought into that so this is what we need to walk away from this class is that there 's no way under the sun that any part of your life will violate your opportunity to be successful because the world was created to service you in order to give you the opportunity. To um, fulfill the service for the reason for which we were created, the reason that you have a birthday to begin with. So, however hard life seems, there's always some resourceful solution that Hashem will provide for you within your very circumstances that Hashem created for you because you don't have another way. Of being successful in this world. Only in the way that Hashem provided for you. Your life is kind of your science. It's kind of your personal cause and effect. That you need to find Hashem in it. And find the resources. From your very personal situation. That's your opportunity to bring light. And to earn your uh, uh, upkeep. Yeah. Another reason why you must have the world of nature to accommodate you, is because work dignifies human being. It's the dignity of man that he works. And so therefore, the only way you could work is if there's a world of nature, but you can figure out how to earn money. So that's also another reason that you must have a world of nature. So to say...
1: Said so so that man
0: is dignified. Yeah, to give human beings dignity so that they can earn their own upkeep and not be beggars. We see that people, yeah, and we see that people are very, very embarrassed when they have to beg, borrow, and that's why some people, in their desperation, they steal. And stealing, begging, and borrowing, it uh, does not dignify men. So again, to be able to say that the world of science or the world of nature, forces a person to be a heretic is sheer utter nonsense. It, it actually really forces a, a person to oh yeah, it forces a person to be an absolute believer, apart from the fact that he's forced to acknowledge that if there is design, there is the designer. If it's possible for me to see a pattern in science by cause and effect, a consistent pattern, which what science is made out of, a consistent pattern of cause and effect, it forces me to admit that there must be a united force that knows how to coordinate all causes and effects so that they're working, coordinating, in tandem with each other so that nature really works. Because if there's one Factor missing, it's no longer uh, the same principle. It's no longer nature. Nature cannot be random. That's a contradiction in terms. That's the same thing I had a discussion with this fellow. I said to him, How did you get here? He says, Nature. I said, What are you telling me? Nature says that when a cu- every couple get together, have children. He says, Yes. Yeah. I said, so Why are there childless couples? So he says, Nature. So I said, So you're telling me that nature is random? What kind of logic is that? Either it's nature or it's random. Make up your mind.
1: And if it's random, then it's Hashem. That's right. And if it's nature, it has to also be Hashem. Exactly. I hate the word. random.
0: Uh... Yeah, well, but you there's know. There's
1: no such word, really. No, kids use it. Right.
0: Um, they, we, one of the reasons that we have gotten into this problem, into this this this... Theological confusion is because Western education interchanges the words how and why. We use it interchangeably. it's a tremendous mistake. I'll give you an example. If someone were to ask somebody why a bottle of, of frozen soda explodes when opened, then you will say that from the effect of frozen temperature the molecules expanded, didn't have where to escape because the cap was on it. Now that the cap was removed, exploded in your face. So that's why a bottle of soda explodes in your face when it's frozen. But that's not true. Who made a situation that the effect of frozen temperature must expand molecules? Maybe it should shrink molecules, or maybe it shouldn't have any effect on it at all. Why does it have to be this way? Or similarly, if a a mother were to take a kid to the pediatrician, saying the kid is schlepping her ears, everyone knows what the pediatrician will say, some bacteria went into, some fluid got into the ears, and some bacteria got into there, and now you've got uh, infected bacteria in the fluid in the ears, and it's causing an ear infection. Now, who on earth decided that fluid is no good for ears and fluid is good for throats when you need a drink? What's wrong with fluid in the ears? That's not why it happened, that's how it happened. The problem with our... This is a certain terminological confusion that we use the word why and how interchangeably. Really, we should be asking, how is it that a bottle of soda explodes in your face when it's frozen? We should answer, this is how the process happened. Why the process is this way, nobody knows and nobody can control. Even scientists don't know reason for that. It doesn't have to be that way. That was only because Hashem cried today. Again, scientists only attempt to describe, analyze, diagnose, the causes of, of nature, so that they can manipulate its effect, but they can never explain the why it has to be this way. Why do I have to have a kidney? Oh, because it has to clean you out. Well, there wasn't, a, that, that they don't know why that has to happen. Hashem decided it has to be with a kidney. The same thing goes with a pediatrician. The pediatrician is all happy with his explanation. The mother's all happy, but he did not answer you why that happened. He answered you, How that happened. And therefore we land in a tremendous, tremendous theological confusion when we go and interchange the same words why and how when it comes to our religious, theological, philosophical experience. There are no whys. It's only how. Because revelation, Hashem's revelation to us through the Torah and through our sages and through talking to us through nature and through communicating us through our personal lives is only again. It's always a description of how we should do our life, but there is no reason why we don't know why he chose that this mitzvah should be good for our souls. We don't know how why Any event should take place. that anything that anything we don't know why it's good for our soul to to eat kosher. To I mean, you tell uh, logic. It does not conform to logic. I mean, you're telling me that if I went out in the street in a place there was no of on Shabbos, every seven days, with a tissue in my pocket, I am a criminal. Hello? I hurt someone. I killed someone. I'm a criminal? Yeah, you violated the... Uh, uh, you went out on Shabbos from... Shows her rabbin with a thing. Why? It's considered work. Yeah, carrying a, po- a tissue in my pocket is considered work, really, now. I'm allowed to carry a table in my house and Shabbos? If I need to, I have extra guests? Yeah. But the table is very heavy, that's not work. No, by going out with the tissue, that's work. There is no logic to that. The only thing that's logical is that since I didn't create myself, I have no way of knowing what to do with a life that I never created, I am therefore totally dependent on the creator of that life to tell me what to do with a life I never created. So if he decided that me carrying a tissue every seven days uh, in a place where is, I'm not allowed to, that's his definition of work. Well, it may not be my definition, but that's the point. That is the point. The point is I have no definitions for anything. So this tremendous terminological confusion of interchanging the words why and how has gotten us into a lot of trouble in our classrooms. There are no whys, only how. We are here to discover the hows and accommodate them, just like we do in every other part of our life. Why these are the hows, nobody knows. Um, are we so therefore, the Khaibus Halvovas tells us that a person has a right to choose a means of supporting himself that he likes. You are not obligated to choose a means of supporting yourself that you don't like. Because nature is here to service you. And to give you satisfaction and fulfillment and make you happy. Because all of life was created okay. as so a kind of you stuck
1: in a way that we're stuck in something that we don't like. Do we so, to, I mean. Sometimes we stay that way because that's what gives us pronouncements. Maybe you have to find. I don't know. Something is nice every person doing something? He that said
0: it? a person has a license, a right, al right you, right you have a license to choose a pronouncements that you like, and you have a right not to choose a work that you, comes don't comes you don't like, like it, it. You have mm, a, mm, a mm, halachic, a, a right, allowance, allowance, allowance that you, yes.
1: Even Some though you might feel that
0: you going to. Something. whatever, maybe. whatever, maybe. whatever. Maybe. Maybe. you are not, you don't have to, 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 yeah, you, so don't, you don't have, have
1: responsibility
0: right, exactly, exactly. Like, exactly, it's not maybe violation,
1: you know if you don't know what you feel, yeah, okay. so
0: you're are you are allowed to be aware of your feelings, whatever, whatever it is, we're talking about as in terms of human responsibility,
1: yeah. Like it, it, then you're okay. Yeah, your Hashem Hashem has not
0: created you to torture you, he has not created you to persecute you, he has not created you you with by telling you that you giving you,
1: there are some people who unfortunately have to do things that they don't like, right? Right. No, meaning, for unfortunately, um, there are people who have to um, beg we have to ask for people's help that's so de- dehumanizing and that's right. It's what Hashem chose for them.
0: I, would know. Don't know. I don't know. He would have to discuss it with a higher authority if this is what he really needs to do, you know. Well, if it violates your very existence and you feel that it's torturing you, then go ask Hashem through his Da's Torah what you should yeah, be doing. Awesome and if...
1: Is that fun? Do you think that they enjoy it? No. To, to ask for help to be my furnace themselves. How, how many people knock on your door? Do you think that's of what course, they want to do? Of course, of course, of course. It's what, they, what they're forced to do by, by Hashem's, I don't know, what, you know, the But charge. then,
0: but again, even in this situation, it still doesn't violate the rule, the B&B principle, because if I asked her I told her, that this is what she must do... that she is still accommodating a law of reality... from Hashem, from her creator... that this is her means of support... and in the end of the day... she wouldn't uh, be s- happy doing anything else... if it violates her purpose of life... the same... Th- it's the same thing... She would, ha- so she needs to find chizuk and support... and strength and happiness by fulfilling, fulfilling Hashem's rot sign. I'm always thinking of my friend Tammy, who actually, in the physical world, does absolutely nothing all day. She is only a vehicle by which to provide uh, opportunity for others to be good to her. And she is happy. People who are closest to her, really, really close to her, my friend Toby is always going to her, and I'm talking to her all the time, and I myself have been there very many times she is really, really, really happy because she knows that she's fulfilling the purpose of her existence and every single breath that she takes is her own free will because no one in the world would ever know if she chooses not to take the next breath and not to take her all these machines that are life support machines. If she chooses not to do that, no one would know that she, that she died, that she, that she chose to die herself between her and Hashem. It's very private. No one has a way of knowing. People would yeah. think.
1: She's able to decide to die.
0: Sometimes she, if she asks, if she doesn't ask for the coughing machine, she'll just die.
1: If she doesn't want.
0: Ask right. doesn't ask for the coughing machine for the suction, a coughing oh, machine. Co- she'll, what do you call coughing? Cough machine or the suction? Cofishing. She'll just die, and nobody would know that. She just ref- just make a split second, nanosecond decision not to ask for it, and nobody but would I know.
1: Also gave human beings this crazy desire to live.
0: Survival instinct. So that, that, is that, that, that shows, yes, oh yes, oh yes,
1: but she wants to live. No, no, no. She well, wants to but live that, live. yeah,
0: but no, we, again, it does. And
1: then, die, and she also wants to live. She wants to, her children to have a mother. True, true. She has like like a burning, burning desire desire Right, but
0: she still has, her desire for living has been challenged to the extreme, which is what causes us to admire her no end, that she's still making the decision to do a mitzvah yeah, and surviving to live, lives. to live, yeah, to live in the way she lives, yeah. So again, it's she's what is she doing? She is doing. Passive, she's doing nothing, she's passively so doing, and that's on, her that gro- what's going well. We she's that she's doing rotten Hashem, rotten Hashem by choosing to, as long as Hashem, as long as Hashem chooses to give her life, she is fulfilling his desire by being so alive, by being yeah. alive, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's something that we can't understand. So, again, we're saying the same thing. This woman, if sometimes she
1: sometimes the decision to do nothing is. Is Hashem is the decision that Hashem wants from you? I'm talking about any right. situation. That's and right. That's right. You say, what, "What are you doing?" And you say, "I'm doing nothing," meaning mm-hmm. I'm not doing nothing. Right. I'm doing nothing. Yeah. That's what Hashem wants. Right. To I'm, do actively actively so, right. I'm
0: actively doing nothing. I'm deliberately choosing actively to fulfill His desire by doing nothing. By doing nothing. Because there is, because obviously, if Hashem has forced me into a situation where there is nothing to do, like Robashkin said, that he, he knew that, that they told him when his cellmate left, they told him, you are only going to get a few days to request a different cellmate. And if you will not come up with a personal request for a different cellmate, you don't know who you'll end up with. And he had very specific requirements because he would wake up every single day, five o'clock in the morning, say to him at five o'clock. And so he made a big, like made a noise. And if he had a cellmate that who disturbed him, he would scream at him all the time, be quiet, I want to sleep. And he, all, his, all his religious requirements forced him to have a very tolerant cellmate. And they told him, he, all his friends, quote unquote, friends told him, quickly, you only get a few days to decide. And he thought and he thought, And he could not decide who would be a suitable cellmate to who to request. And he didn't know what to do. And time was running out. And then after a while, they just dump you with someone. And um, some of them are violent and uh, terrible stories. And he said, he went back to the Chavis and he said, I'm going back to the rule that if Hashem did not reveal to me who to choose, it means I should do nothing and rely on him. And they placed him, gave him a cellmate. And he was terrible. He was a million times worse than his first cellmate. And so he said, Okay, I trust Hashem that since I did not choose the cellmate, in the end it will be good for me. After two days, that cellmate kicked up such a fuss that he refused to be rebushkin, that they couldn't handle him and they removed him and then he had the best cellmate.
1: Nothing.
0: Yeah. Without requesting, they got the best cellmate. So he said he 's just showing bring out the very good one, the best one after two days they threw him out because he wouldn't uh, uh, he refused to be in the same thing it's just another manifestation of when he lived lived by this rule that if hashem isn't revealing to me what I should be doing now, that means I should now do nothing and wait to see. Hashem told Moshe at um, which is really really blows our mind. Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu at uh, Kriyasi Yamsul, Why are you screaming to me? Tell them to just move ahead. Which means do nothing about the danger. Just go right in. And and then the sea split for them. Sometimes Hashem's answer is, You don't have to do anything. Just follow my instructions blindly. So that's also a part of doing something. So unfortunately, this person never came to beg will have to draw strength and dignity from the fact that she is fulfilling Hashem's will in this sense. Just like all of us are drawing strength and dignity that we are fulfilling Hashem's will by earning our upkeep in whatever which way we can. So I think I've made a a powerful enough argument for the need of uh, the role of nature in actualizing our potential and giving us the opportunity to fulfill our human responsibility of taking a certain amount of accountability for our life. And it can never happen that any part of life and any part of nature can violate the cause for your existence. So that we, you can always have an a intelligent dialogue with anybody who claims that their their being a scientist causes them not to believe in Hashem. Thanks so much.